Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome to JPD Weekly. Today, I wanted to talk about some strange, really weird Dead Sea Scrolls that actually seem to correlate with uh, Bible scriptures. For example, there's something called the Aramaic Apocalypse, and this has to do with the birth of Jesus. It's this strange similarity in a Dead Sea Scroll and the the New Testament. Uh, So this scroll that was found among the Dead Sea Scrolls is called the Aramaic Apocalypse, or the Apocryphon of Daniel. Uh, Sometimes it's called a vision of the Son of God, and it was written at least 100 years before the birth of Christ. And in it, it seems to give uh, really familiar descriptions of the coming Messiah. Uh, So one quote from it says, uh, he will be called the Son of God, and they will call him the Son of the Most High. So we can compare that. That's from the Dead Sea Scroll. We can compare that with the words of Gabriel to the soon-to-be mother of Jesus, Mary, uh, from Luke 1.32, and this is from the ESV, and it says, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now, the similarities of those two passages are pretty striking, but they're still not without controversy. So the Aramaic Apocalypse, it was first published in uh, 1974, and at first, uh, scholars largely agreed that it was referring to a coming messianic figure. But uh, later, a theory developed that this Son of God figure was actually villainous, uh, possibly the Antichrist. Some even took it further and said that it was describing Antiochus Epiphanes, which, you know, if true, that would mean that this text was not prophetic at all, but instead describing an event that had already taken place. Now, we have to be careful of that because there are some scholars that will give the book of Daniel a really late date only because the prophecies within it are so accurate. Some scholars just think that it must have it can't be prophetic it must have been uh, written later and so only for that reason even though all the evidence suggests that it was written much earlier um they they'll still go with that so we have to we have to be careful about what certain scholars say some are trustworthy some aren't just like the rest of the human population so um given the future te- uh future tense language in the dead sea scroll though that that interpretation that it's Antiochus uh, Epiphanes, it seems unlikely, but the future Antichrist interpretation might still be valid. It all depends on how we interpret the text surrounding that passage in question. So we can read the whole thing. It is heavily fragmented, just like a lot of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So it, we, we don't have all the text, but we, we have quite a bit of it, and we can read it and try to make some sense of it. So uh, it says, and again, this is from... The Aramaic Apocalypse, this is from the Dead Sea Scrolls. It says, After much killing and slaughter, a prince of nations will arise, the king of Assyria and Egypt. He will be ruler over the land, will be subject to him, and all will obey him. Also, his son will be called the Great and be designated by his name. He will be called the Son of God. They will call him the Son of the Most High, but 
Like the meteors that you saw in your vision, so will be their kingdom. They will reign only a few years over the land while people tramples people and nation tramples nation. So that's uh, that's what we have. Now, clearly, we don't know what the vision is because it says something about meteors that you saw in your vision. We don't know what that is. That part, as far as I know, has been lost. Maybe it's in one of the other Dead Sea Scrolls and we just haven't made the connection yet. Sometimes that happens. But it seems to that part seems to have been lost. Uh, so there's a lot of this vision that we don't have. But that Son of God uh, designation, whether the Son of God here, that identification belongs to the Messiah or the Antichrist, it depends entirely on how we decide to interpret their kingdom that it talks about there. So if we connect their kingdom with the ruler over the land and look at Son of God as a description of that ruler, then what we have here is a description of the Antichrist. And then that that would parallel with certain things like the book of Daniel. But if we instead see Son of God as an, an introduction to a new person entirely, or possibly even as an extension of the ruler over the land, but we see King of Assyria and Egypt as a different person, So we have two different people being discussed here. If we take it like that, then what we might have is we might have the Messiah and the Antichrist talked about here. So the problem is that we're we're missing a lot of context since it's so heavily fragmented. Uh, we, we don't know in those missing parts if the subject of the description stays the same or if it changes to a new person. But there is another piece of evidence that we can look at uh, concerning the, the future Antichrist from the book of Daniel. Um, And we're going to start in verse 36 of chapter 11. This is going to be uh, 36 and 37, and we're going to read from the New King James Version. And it says, Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. For what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above all. Now remember in the uh, Aramaic Apocalypse it said, they shall call him, you know, son of God. So in this uh, Daniel passage, this seems to be how the Antichrist sees himself. And the Aramaic Apocalypse, if we, if that is describing the Antichrist and not the Messiah, this is how other people see him. You can see it like that. Now, the Qumran community absolutely would have been familiar with the book of Daniel, of course, because there were copies of it found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. So, if the Son of God in the Aramaic Apocalypse is referring to a future Antichrist figure, then it seems that that, would, that could contradict with the description given in the book of Daniel, uh, since, again, there it's describing, uh, he, he's described as exalting himself above every god and speaking blasphemies against the true god. But again, the argument against that could be, well, this is, uh, you know, Daniel is how the Antichrist sees himself. You know, he exalts himself above all God. Aramaic apocalypse might be how other people see him. Other people are saying that this is the son of God. So you might have something like that. So, uh, but still, but still, I, I think that the interpretation that says the Aramaic apocalypse uh, is, is is calling the, the Messiah son of God rather than a future Antichrist or Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, that, that, might, that might be accurate. We might have two different figures being discussed here. And again, we have those fragments in between, so we don't know if there is a point where context switch uh, switches. But 
that seems, and again, we're reading a little into that text because we don't have it, but that seems to flow a little better. Just the idea that the the Son of God designation is actually talking about another figure. It's a, it's a different person being discussed, and what we have here is the Antichrist and the true Christ uh, being like contrasted, being both being described. Um, that's what it seems like. But again, uh, as is usually the case with these kinds of things, opinions are split on that issue. There's no consensus on how this should be interpreted. But if it is Christ and Antichrist, then what we have here is a uh, prophetic description of the final battle. There, are, There is more stuff like that, too which is really interesting. We're going to get into one a little bit later. Uh, there is more um, descriptions of that final battle. We even get a uh, description of Abaddon uh, further than what we are offered in the book of Revelation, which is really interesting. Uh, so that's just one example of a few different things that I wanted to talk about today. Just these weird, strange Dead Sea Scroll examples that seem to seem to tie in with the Bible. They don't change how we think about the Bible, but they seem to add some more information. Um, if you are brand new to this channel, please subscribe and click the bell for notifications. I am your host, Josh Peck. Uh, I host this show, JPD Weekly. I also host uh, The Sharpening Report, which you can find all of that at dailyrenegade.com. Right now, we are offering a free seven-day trial. Uh, so the way Daily Renegade works is it's membership-based. So you go and get a membership, and then you have access to this full episode and all full episodes that we do. Uh, some of the content that we put up on YouTube is the full episode. So, for example, with um, uh, some of Gary uh, some of Gary Wayne's show, you know, Gary Wayne, the author of Genesis 6 Conspiracy, he produces a show for us at Daily Renegade called The Christian Contrarian. Uh, so on YouTube, you'll be able to get uh, his full show, but you, you also don't get the full sharp report, you don't get the full uh, JPD Weekly. And the reason for that is because YouTube got in the nasty habit of uh, deleting our content and deleting entire channels. So we had to build our own thing. We don't have the money to do it, so we asked our supporters if they would like to contribute. So uh, you're, I'm never going to be the kind of person that's going to offer you an extra blessing or say that, you know, God will reward you for supporting this ministry. We're not about that. Uh, and, and that's not what it should be for anyway. If, if you want to help, it should just be because you want to help, because you love us and, and you, you, you want to help in our mission to uh, spread the gospel around the world. That's really what we want to do. Uh, and also disciple Christians, because Christians really need discipleship. That's part of, uh, that's the D in JPD Weekly. That, that's part of what uh, we should be doing. Uh, the D actually stands for discipleship and defense, because we need to know how to defend the Bible, but we need to disciple Christians as well, and Christianity certainly needs it. Part of that involves having our minds open to some new possibilities. We need to get used to that, uh, and learning how to communicate with our fellow brothers and sisters. So that's what Daily Renegade's all about. You'll probably hear a lot of things in Daily Renegade that you won't hear at church, but you're also not going to hear heresy. You're not going to hear blasphemy or anything like that. Everything is biblically sound, and uh, every host that we have of every show uh, is able to cite, cite exactly where in the Bible they're getting their information. And if there's any outside sources to support it as well, such as what we're doing on this video, then you're going to get access to that too. So that is all at Daily Renegade. That's what comes with a membership. You also have access to one another. We're trying to build a community uh, there, so it's a really great place to be. We're, we're basically a family. If, you, if you'd like to join up, if you're not sure about it, get a free trial. Uh, there's no obligation, so you get a free seven-day trial if you want. If you already know that you want to help support this ministry, the best place uh, the best place to go is dailyrenegade.com. Get a membership, and then you'll have access to everything that we put out there, uh, not just the free stuff that we put out for everybody. So, 
Um, all that being said, I just want to make sure that you understand that and how Daily Renegade works, uh, what the show is, in case you are brand new to this channel. You'll also see a lot of other shows on this channel. Um, and we also have a second YouTube channel called The Sharpening Report. Please subscribe to both and click the bell for notifications. It's very important. Okay, so let's get back into these scrolls. There's another one that's really interesting that has to do with the Holy Spirit and actually has to do with Pentecost. It's called the Lit uh, Liturgy of the Three Tongues of Fire. This is a Dead Sea Scroll. Now, that probably already rings as familiar, the Tongues of Fire, because we see that in the Book of Acts at Pentecost. Now, this scroll is even more fragmented than the last one, and it's it's really bizarre, uh, this Dead Sea Scroll. There's, there's a reference to tongues of fire having something to do with uh, what reads like instructions for some sort of ritual or something. Um, it's difficult to piece together exactly what's being addressed because a lot of it is lost, but near the end of the first column, it says something about the Urim, which if we remember back to the Old Testament, the Urim and Thummim were a way for the children of Israel to communicate with God. Um, now, interestingly enough, Urim in Hebrew translates to lights. Uh, and after, and that's important too, because all throughout the Dead Sea Scroll, uh, the, the, the writers of the Dead Sea Scrolls present themselves as children of light, and then people who follow Satan are the children of darkness. But Urim in Hebrew translates to lights. That's important because after mention of the Urim, the second column of this Dead Sea Scroll uh, states this. Again, this is the Liturgy of the Three Tongues. It says, uh, it says this, they will provide you with light and he will go out with him the tongues of fire, the stone of the left side, which is at its left side, will shone in the eyes of all the assembly until the priest finishes speaking. And after the cloud has been removed, something, there's a fragment missing there, and you will keep and do all that he tells you in accordance with all this judgments. And again, that is 4Q Liturgy of the Three Tongues of Fire, if you want to look that up. Uh, but whatever this ritual it was, it seems to have had something to do with a communication with God, you know, a, a, a cloud, you know, the tongues of fire. So that, that, again, should immediately remind us of the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit as recorded in the book of Acts. Um, and that direct quote, it's Acts 2, 1 through 4, and it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a, su a sound from heaven as of a, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Again, Acts 2, 1 through 4, New King James Version. Now, the Qumran community felt that they were led to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. That's why they were there in the first place. Uh, we've done lots of episodes on that, so you can go back. We, we have a whole series on dailyrenegade.com uh, where we get into all of the, the just the history of the Dead Sea Scrolls and, and the prophecy, the amazing prophecy that they contain about our time today, which is uh, astounding. So could it be that they actually had a better understanding of the Holy Spirit than we might have originally thought? So before the time the Holy Spirit was given to all who would accept Jesus as their Savior, dur during the time the Holy Spirit was uh, still outside of believers rather than living within, you know, they would say the Spirit was upon me, um, and it was a different relationship. Uh, we have a more intimate relationship today in the in the church age than they did in Old Testament times, but could it be that at that time, 
could it be that the Qumran community had a way to communicate to him, to the Holy Spirit, through the Urim and Thummim? So is that cloud and the tongues of fire, is that how God decided to manifest himself to the Qumran community, hearkening back to the days of uh, Exodus and, and Sinai during the days of Moses? Uh, maybe someday somebody will discover the rest of that scroll, but um, you know, we and then we'll be able to find out for sure what it's all about. Uh, but for now, that's the little bit of information that we have on it, and it's really interesting. Now, some of these uh, are really familiar, and they connect with uh, the New Testament. So there's something that uh, has to do with crucifixion, the Holy Spirit, first fruits, and the third hour. And th th this is what I love about the D Dead Sea Scrolls, because they don't ever, like, change the story, but they give you more detail. They give you some background. And I I've explained it like this. When we have gaps throughout the Bible, and we do, you know, the Bible's not exhaustive, because if it was, it would be a book so long that nobody would be able to read it. Uh, John says as much in his own gospel, that even just in Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry, if they wrote down everything that he did, um, not enough. there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it. So uh, there's a reason that there are things left out um, and, and it's because you know we want people to read the Bible and get saved and and you know obviously God wants that too so he gave people a book that they can manage but when we have those gaps we are going to um, just automatically by nature we're, we're going to fill them in with our own imaginations we're, we're going to use what what limited information we have to try to fill in those gaps. And we're going to wonder, well, maybe it was like this, or maybe it was like that. So what I like about the Dead Sea Scrolls is it helps fill in those gaps. And instead of relying on our own 21st century, you know, imagination from 2,000 years and a half a world away, <laughs> you know, from the original context, instead of relying on that, we can rely on somebody who was there during the time. And you might say, well, these, these additions, these, these filling in the gaps, well, that's just his imagination. That's just the writer's imagination. Maybe, but I would, I would suggest that his imagination is probably more informed than ours, and we're going to be filling in those gaps in that way anyway. So doesn't it make sense to at least try and uh, see it from the perspective of somebody who was there? I don't hold the Dead Sea Scrolls as gospel truth in the way that I would hold the Bible, but I do hold it as history. And in those times where it can help fill in some gaps, if there's nothing that conflicts with the Bible, then I would rather rely on somebody who was there at the time and who has a good track record of recording truthful things that don't conflict with the Bible. I would rather rely on somebody like that than my own imagination. Uh, so that that's what I think is important about the Dead Sea Scrolls. And somebody might say, yeah, but there are a lot of Gnostics and things, you know, there are a lot of heretics, and, and we wouldn't want to rely on them. Well, obviously. So that's why we have to compare everything against Scripture. And so far, um, everything I've seen in the Dead Sea Scrolls, n none of it conflicts. Like, none of it actually conflicts with Scripture. Um, it, it's actually like other books of the Bible in that where there seems to be an apparent contradiction, it's just because we don't have all the information. Um and uh, so I've I've noticed that a couple times. There's there's been a couple times I'll be reading through one of the scrolls and it'll say something where it's like, well, that's odd. That that seems to conflict with this over here. Um, but but then I learn a little bit more of the history, or I learn what that scroll, what what the purpose of it being written was for, or I learn I learn something about it. And so far, it's always come out that there's a reasonable explanation for it. Just like when uh, non-believers try to find. Um, contradictions in the Bible. They're not contradictions, they're just uninformed. And so that kind of thing happens, but I haven't found anything that conflicts. If I ever do find something that conflicts, 
we go with the Bible every time. You know, if it's between Bible and Dead Sea Scroll, you go with the Bible. The Dead Sea Scrolls are just there to help fill in some gaps. I, I think that that's the, the purpose of them. We can learn a lot. Uh, we can get, gain uh, a lot uh, more uh, stability in our knowledge, especially about the time that we're living in now, because according to the Dead Sea Scroll calendar, we're about to head into the final 50 years of our age. Doesn't mean the age is going to last the full 50 years, by the way. Anything can happen. But I did, I do go into a whole bunch of detail about that in that series that I mentioned before at dailyrenegade.com. Um, and so it, it can help ground us and, and root us and, and uh, ha- help give us some warning about what's going on. But again, we have to understand that the non-canonical Dead Sea Scrolls, the, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls that aren't biblical in nature, because they had copies of the Torah and stuff like that, but the, the non-canonical ones, we just have to hold them as not inspired, not preserved, clearly, because they're fragmented. So for some reason, the Holy Spirit did not preserve them in the way that he preserved the other books of the Bible. Uh, there's a reason for that, and we might not know what it is, but there's also a reason that they're here. You know, they weren't completely destroyed. So uh, I, I think that they're worth looking at. So um, and, and I think this is part of it. It can help explain at least some of the context of the time and what certain words mean. What's the third hour? What's 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 going on with the crucifixion? Uh, and because we don't live in that culture or that time, we can get kind of lost in some of these details. And I think this is a good example of one. So we get some more detail on how and when exactly the temple scroll uh, or the temple sacrifices, excuse me, were to take place in a Dead Sea Scroll called the Temple Scroll. It's basically like a, a, a large Leviticus almost. Um, and this scroll gives us a lot of information on how their yearly calendar was to operate in terms of sacrifice, sacrifices and feasts. Uh, it gives more information on the Torah, again, especially the book of Leviticus. And in it, we see instructions that would later relate directly to the crucifixion of Jesus and the imparting of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So, this temple scroll uh, says that the burnt offering of the first fruits and sacrifices are to occur at the first quarter of the day. It's a direct quote. Uh, and Jesus identified 12 hours in a day from John eleven nine, And according to their calendar and understanding of day and night, that's how the day and night was divided. So the first quarter of the first 12 hours of the day, starting at 6 a.m., that's when the day starts, would be 9 a.m. So, Sometimes 9 a.m. is referred to as the third hour in the New Testament. So Mark 15, 15, for example, says, and it was the third hour when they crucified him. So now we know what the third hour is because we know what, what, what their calendar says. Now, after the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost occurred, Peter said, and this is from Acts 2.15, said, uh, quote, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Now, the uh, temple scroll helps connect the crucifixion of Jesus and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit with the temple sacrifices of first fruits. So even in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the entire prophetic plan of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus can be mapped out in these Jewish festivals. And this is what helps explain why it was so important for them to be observed in a specific way on exact dates. Uh, all of those festivals, year in and year out, were all prophetic, and they all pointed to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ, victory, uh, his victory over death, and his plan for eternal salvation. And even something as simple as understanding what the third hour is can really help us map those uh, prophetic um, uh, points even even further. So it really does help add some context. Um, also, another interesting thing is we get biblical principles. We actually get 
uh, biblical teachings. There, there's actually a good argument that can be made that a lot of the writers of the New Testament were drawing from the Dead Sea Scrolls. We're drawing from some of the writings. Uh, many of them might have come from that same community. So one is uh, on the circumcision of the heart. Now, this this is really interesting because while it is in the Old Testament, you know, we tend to think of it as more of a Christian New, New Testament thing. Um, this is not something that Christians just invented. This has been around for a while. So the idea of not only the flesh, but the heart needing to be circumcised, again, it's not new. We do find a few passages in the Old Testament, but it always seems to have to do with Israel and the final judgment of the Lord. That that's so that's that's the point. That's the point of division. That that's where it kind of uh, uh, breaks down. So, for example, the book of Jeremiah says, uh, "Behold, the days are coming," says the Lord, "that I will punish all who are circumcised with the uncircumcised: Egypt, Judah, Edom, and the people of Ammon, Moab, and all who are in the farthest corners who dwell in the wilderness. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart." That's Jeremiah nine twenty five through twenty six. Again, New King James Version. Um, there's a another passage that gives us uh, some circumcision of the heart. This is Jeremiah four four through five of the New King James. It says. For thus says the Lord of the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among the thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your hearts. You mention you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil in your doings. Um, we have another one in Leviticus 26, 41b through 42. That b just means it's the second half that we're talking about. Uh, it says, if their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they accept their guilt, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. I will remember, I will remember the land. Now, uh, so we have those old, old Testament examples, but again, they have to do with Israel and the final judgment of the Lord. But in the New Testament, that definition is expanded to the final generation of the church age and includes not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. So we get this from uh, Romans two twenty eight through 29 says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but of God. We have another passage that speaks of this as well. Ephesians two eleven through 13 says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have another one in Philippians 3, verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, amazingly, the Dead Sea Scrolls seem to foretell a time when certain people within an entire generation or age, since, you know, we can call it an age, because, you know, instead of only Israel, when the Lord uh, comes to judge the world, 
um, that, that this time that it would be putting more confidence in the circumcision of the heart rather than the flesh. And it also says that this would be a sign of a true follower of God. So this is from a scroll called 4Q Katina, and from column two, it says, The men who serve God, who circumcise the foreskin of their heart in the last generation. Now, um, we've talked about, well, we'll talk about in a future video, but we wouldn't be able to say that the Qumran community predicted everything about the coming church. They couldn't have known everything because that would violate Ephesians 3. Um, they, they didn't know everything. Uh, there are some things they didn't know, but it's interesting to see that they had some of the pieces. Uh, so so they, they didn't foretell like the Gentile Jew, one new man, church age that uh, Christ was going to put, that the Messiah was going to come and put together, uh, but they had some of the pieces. And that's likely why when Jesus came to re reveal everything, they accepted it so much more easily than the Pharisees and Sadducees. There there are people in Israel that just accepted this like without much convincing. It's, it's because they were Racines. They, they were already, uh, they were already progressed quite uh quite a ways and they already knew what exactly to look for in the messiah so when the messiah finally came it was easy they just accepted jesus they they already knew what to look for so they had they had a lot of the pieces now the pharisees and sadducees had the same pieces available to them they just rejected them so you know that makes me wonder uh how many pieces of unfulfilled prophecy do we have today you know how many things are uh, left unknown, and and how how those might be revealed leading up to uh, the next and final age. You know, I, I I wonder about that a lot, and it's it's really cool to think about. Um, and we're actually going to talk about some of that. So next, we're going to talk about the Damascus Book of Life, which is prophetic. It gives us some more information on the Book of Life mentioned in the Bible. It has to do with our future as Christians, about the return of Christ, uh, and the Dead Sea Scrolls actually talk about the Book of Life. Uh, we're also going to talk um, about all the 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 Psalms of exorcism the Psalms of exorcism and the book of Revelation there's a set of Dead Sea Scrolls called the Psalms of exorcism and they they relate to the book of Revelation now we don't know if these texts were actually used for exorcism they're just called that you know whoever discovered the scroll just called them that so the the titles of these things they're not you know they're not intended to be titled that but when we read when we read through the scroll the Psalm, psalms of exorcism when we read through it there are a lot of points of correlation to the book of Revelation. We get some, uh, we actually get some more details about Abaddon and about the final battle of Armageddon. Uh, it helps fill in some of the blanks of Revelation. Uh, th this is an amazing text. You're not going to want to miss it, but we are going to do that in the members uh, only section. So head on over to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership today. It is only $10 a month or $100 a year, which if you can, get that one because you're only paying for 10 months instead of 12. So, uh, you know, you get basically you get two months for free. Um, you only have to do it once. You don't have to think about it again for a full year. Also, we are offering right now a free trial for seven days. So you can try it out and see how you like it. Go to dailyrenegade.com for the rest of this episode and all of our other full content not available anywhere else. And we just added a new show called Wealth Transfer News, which is news for the Christian about the economy and how we can be protected even in the most intensive financial collapses. Uh, very important that we know that so we can 
provide for our family in the coming years because things are probably going to get difficult. We also uh, started offering a documentary series that you're not going to find anywhere else. So it's going to be uh, several episodes in this documentary series. And uh, you're, so you're not going to want to miss that. If you like documentary series like Ancient Aliens and stuff, but you just, you just hate the information because it's always against the Bible, um, then you're going to love this documentary series. And we're going to offer more like that. Uh, but you're going to love it because this is for the edification of the church. This is, this is so you can get some good information, stuff that you're probably not going to hear in church because a lot of churches are more uh, concerned with their donations and, and their tithing than they are with the message that they give, unfortunately. Not all churches are like that. There's some excellent, excellent churches out there. Um, but a lot of them, unfortunately, make decisions based on, on money. So we don't do that. Uh, we, we want to teach any who want to learn. And if this is not for you, then that's okay. We're not going to try to get your, we're not going to try to get your money. So, uh, if you want to come and join the family, that is where to go. All of this and more at dailyrenegade.com. All right. If you are a member, hang on the line. Everybody else, thank you so much. And until next time, love you all. Take care and God bless. Okay, member. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.